deleted on Facebook to stream Facebook here in the broadcast or just move this destination from the broadcast. Okay. So remove. Uh, if you edit and start time directly on Facebook or clock devices wrong, uh, shoot. Let's go live. Uh, post was created on Facebook for this. Delete it. Uh, remove. Uh, yeah. Shoot. Eight time. Okay. I'm sorry. My apologies. Give me two seconds. All right. All right. Save. Ah, there we go. Perfect. We're live now. Deshaun Tate back here with you guys. Uh, basketball heads. Appreciate you guys for joining me. I uh, got a really special guest, man. I'm really looking forward to on today. So nonetheless, I'm gonna get ready to get into it. But first, want to give you guys the word of the day, word of the week, word of the month, word of the year. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, be sure to subscribe anywhere you find your favorite podcast to what you're listening to right now, Tate's Take. I like to call it the best, the most entertaining, the most informational, and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. Uh, find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Red Circle, Spotify, Stitcher, streaming live on Periscope, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, the whole nine. Uh, so I guess there are no excuses. Uh, and be sure to follow along on social media, specifically on Twitter, at Tate's Take Hoops. T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S hashtag as you know where basketball lives now had a lot of hawks fans that's kind of been on me like when are you bringing on the next guest to come and talk about some hawks somebody that's knowledgeable knows what they're talking about and of course what else we're we gonna do of course we're gonna bring in one of my good buddies and uh former colleagues but a lifetime friend and i'm trying to see if i can get this thing to stop buffering but nonetheless let's get ready to bring my buddy up in here this hey, would be up. none other than <laughs> <laughs> jerome jarinovich eight-time emmy award winner pre-half and post-game studio analyst, broadcast host of Hawks Live from uh, Fox Sports Southeast. Make sure you give him a follow on social media at Jerome on Sports. That's at Jerome on Sports. Jerome, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, man. That's a heck of an intro that you got going there. Let me give you a <laughs> shout out if you don't mind here. I got to tell you, I've known Deshaun for a long time, people, and I don't know anybody that is more devoted to college basketball than Deshaun. He studies it, he watches it, he analyzes it. And when he tells me something about what's going on in college hoops, I listen and I take his word for it. So he loves the sport of basketball, whether it's NBA or college. But when you're talking, when you're starting talking about college hoops, Deshaun's the man. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. 
is a little bit of a different level when it comes to the college basketball, just a tad bit. And uh, I'm sure I've worked my mom's nerves enough over the course of the last 36 calendars trying to keep up with all this college basketball. You might have oversold it a little bit, Jerome. Nonetheless, no. I do appreciate the flowers uh, and the uh, the acknowledgement and uh, just a kind gesture overall. I do want to bring you in here to kind of talk a little bit about this Atlanta Hawks team. We obviously saw them yesterday, uh, last night, taking on the Portland Trailblazers. This is a Hawks team that started out the season four and one ever since they're one and six. We know about tons of different injuries and so forth. Um, just take me a little bit through your lens, through the Jerome Jerinovich lens of what you saw on last night and how things kind of unfolded or I guess in this case kind of folded at the end for the Hawks uh, last night it, it, it had to be the most disappointing loss of the season you know you have they're up by 16 at one point in the first half seven point lead at the half Portland loses McCollum for basically the entire second half of the game mm. and they still managed to rally and tie it after three and still, mm. you would think with no McCollum and Lillard is, let's face it, he is one of the you know top 10 guys in the league and he could carry any team on his back. And he did last night. But to go from up 16 in the first half and to lose the way they did. Uh, look, it's one thing to get outplayed. The previous game they were in Utah, they were a little sluggish. It was the first game of the road trip because the previous one in Phoenix was canceled because of the COVID protocol. So they're out mm -hmm. in Phoenix for a couple of days, locked in their hotel rooms. You don't know. It's a whole new adjustment. And I understand that. I give a pass on that. So they came out slow in Utah and Utah is excellent. And they ran them out of the gym. But last mm -hmm. night from the opening tip, that game belonged to Atlanta. They were crushing them. They were hitting everything. Trey actually looked like the Trey Young that we know. He was five for 10 in the first half, finally hit a three. He's been struggling with the long ball. He was getting to the rim, getting in the lane. That's what's been missing from his game in the last three or four games. He has not been going into the lane enough. So his outside shot's not falling, but he's not getting into the rim. So all that was going on in the first half. And then it just went whoop right down the drain. Portland just turned up the defense in the fourth quarter. Hawks got a little cold and they got completely out of their rhythm. And when you have a game against one of the top four teams in the Western Conference and you have it in your hands and you let it go, man, that that just hurts. That just hurts. And, and listen to this on top of it. They had to fly the red eye back, take their COVID tests as soon as they landed in Atlanta. And now they got the short turnaround because King Day, it's an afternoon game. It's not even a 7.30 start. So they lose another four hours there. So they got the jet lag. And who knows what time these guys got to bed? Because you, you got to sure they probably didn't get in till in the bed till probably six a.m. They got mm -hmm. me dog tired today. Yeah, I can imagine. We brought Steve Holman on last week, and he kind of walked us through the travel life of an NBA player, and definitely alluded to some of the things that you just mentioned. And not only talking about uh, the performance yesterday against the Portland Trailblazers and playing up against uh, arguably or inarguably the best backcourt in the NBA. But then we saw CJ McCollum go down and uh, with a left foot sprain uh, early in the first half. And I guess Damian Lillard just kind of took over from there. And you talked about Trey Young a little bit, came into this game, averaging over 28 points per game in the first seven games, 13 points per game in the last four games last night, 26 points, 11 assists, seven rebounds and one for nine from three. How do you correct something like that? I mean, I, 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 it's, it's, 
what is what what are the 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 rumblings or anything that you're hearing in terms of maybe why he's been struggling so much? Well, that's the that was the question I posed to Dominique is is how do we get Trey back on track? Because let's face it, this team goes as Trey goes, and I don't Correct. know if there's one player that has as big of an impact on their team. Maybe Giannis. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. and that's no disrespect to LeBron or the other great players. That is just how much more talented Trey is than the rest of the team as far as offensive output. He is the offense. So the three-point shot just hasn't been there. Uh, mm-hmm. and he didn't make one in Utah. So he had three out of five games where he didn't even make one three. And we're used to seeing him drop four or five, maybe six a game. He didn't even make he didn't even make one for three games. That is so untrailing. And because of that, you could just see his confidence has waned. And Dominique was adamant that we got to get his confidence level back up. And if that means layups, those those little runners that he takes in the lane sometimes, or just getting back to the free throw line. You may recall those first three or four games of the year when yes. he was 30 plus. He Mm -hmm. was dropping in double-digit free throws every game. Now, he was 11 for 12 last night, which was a good sign. When he gets Mm -hmm. into the paint and shoots that little floater or kicks out or just gets fouled and goes to the free throw line, it opens up their entire offense. It opens it up whether it's Reddish or Herter out there on the wing or they're kicking it over to Collins. He gives a little bunny to Collins. Now, lately, he's been a one-two punch with Capella on the lob. Mm -hmm. but. That started to happen in the in the first half last night. Like I said, he was 5 for 10 in the first half, but he was 0 for 5 in the third, just 2 for 8 in the fourth. Mm. And there just seems to be two different trades this year. The guy that was lighting it up and leading the league in scoring are around 30, and then the guy that all of a sudden has disappeared now for five or six games. And that's why we were so hopeful last night's first half. Well, halftime shot, I opened it up by saying, Trey's back, welcome back, Trey. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, He went away again, and it's not for effort. We both know you've been down that arena. I know you haven't been around in the NBA that long. We have seen him literally. I've never seen this from any NBA player. I'm an old guy. After the game, go back out on the court and shoot and work on a shot. After an NBA game. I've never seen any NBA player do that, and he does it. He works hard. He works Mm -hmm. really, really hard. And to see that shot not falling, it's driving everybody crazy. Nobody more so than him because he's so close. He's so close. He's hitting the back of the rim. They're just not falling in right now. He's just off this much. And it can't be tired legs. He's young and we're early in the season. So Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody has an answer for it right now. But I think the way to correct it, like Dominique said, get in the lane. Take the take the easy points when you can, whether it's uh, one of those crazy running jumpers that he takes or a, a high bank shot, we'll just get to the free throw line. So I think that'll start turning around for him. Let's hope that's the case on King Day against the Timberwolves. Yeah, I was going to say there's something definitely going on, a little bit more curious than not as to exactly what could potentially be bothering him. And it really just kind of seems, and I'm not saying that this is it by any means, uh, but it really just kind of seems after the, uh, I don't know if I call it a dust up, maybe uh, between he and John Collins in a film session over a week ago. Uh, but I don't want to allude to that per se, but it's just ironic to me the way that that has happened. And then, you know, one of the things about this Hawk team is that they rank in the top five in uh, the NBA in terms of second chance points, rebounds per game, free throw percentage. You mentioned quite a few things about getting to the free throw line earlier and uh, free throws made per game as well. Um, one of the, the things that I 
was kind of paying close attention to and kept my eye on in the pregame conversation was uh, head coach Lloyd Pierce, you know, saying that they need to be efforting to speed up Portland's backcourt, making it really tough for them defensively, uh, being, you know, challenging them, contesting them and just out there to try to contain these guys. And the keys to the game is to run and rebound. How well of a job do you think they did at that last night? I, I thought they did a good job. I thought they did a tremendous job in the first half. And they did all that without Cam Reddish, who is Correct. maybe the second best defender on the team behind De- DeAndre Hunter. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't go yet, left knee soreness. We'll have to wait and see if he's able to go on Monday. But for them to do what they did is, and look, I like Kevin Herter. I think he's underrated. But when you look at Kevin Herter, actually, he, you know what? He's got, he's got some handles. He can mm-hmm. move a lot better. You look at him, he's thin, he's tall. You know, you say, oh, I, 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 you know, he's a great shooter, but you're going to, no, he's actually got some quickness. But is he the defender that Cam Reddish is? No, no, he's not. Mm-hmm. And Renee Montgomery and I were actually talking before we even did the pregame show because we weren't sure who was going to start in front of Cam. And I said, do you think he really rolls the dice and starts Goodwin along with Trey to have two very quick, guys in the backcourt to counter their two guys just to run Mm -hmm. them for the speed she liked that idea she wanted to go with that idea but he went with her for the offense and look it was effective with mccollum in there i thought they Mm -hmm. did a fantastic job but as you know and we've seen it in sports all across the board sometimes when one of the star players goes down on a team and i don't Mm -hmm. care if it's baseball football basketball it doesn't matter to me the other star sits there and realizes, i gotta do it I got to go. And somebody else on the team steps up a little bit. It was Gary Trent Jr. last night for the Blazers off the bench. Mm -hmm. But that was when Lillard just said, okay, this is on me. If we're going to win, I got to do it. And we have seen superstars in the NBA do this throughout time. And Lillard did it last night. You know, they did what they could against him. But a guy, let's face it, I think the NBA is the only sport where great defense will not stop great offense. It may slow it down. It may alter it a little bit. You know, like Mm -hmm. great pitching is going to shut down good hitting. Uh, A great defense can win you a Super Bowl. We've seen the Giants beat Brady, you know, and the the Patriots. It it happens in sports. You know, you could lock it down. You could lock down Lemieux and Gretzky in the day. You can still do that now with Crosby and even Ovechkin. But in basketball, a superior offensive player, you may be able to hold him to 25 if he's a 33 and 34 guy a night, but he's still getting 25, which is an awesome night. I know. Last night, Lillard had 36. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? For sure. I was going to say before we, uh, you know, start getting into the preview for the MLK game that's going to be taking place on tomorrow, I guess, depending on when you hear this particular podcast. Uh, one of them in terms of uh, of yesterday's game is, um, you know, just looking at a guy like a Clint Capella, because clearly he just did everything he wanted, particularly in the first half. And I know that Portland didn't have Nurkic, and I know that they didn't have Zach Collins again, which ironic, I guess, shocker, if you will. Uh, but, you know, for a guy like Capella, who was entering yesterday's game, and I guess now uh, is, you know, third, has his third consecutive double-double game, uh, sixth overall in the season, nine consecutive games with 10 or more rebounds, and then nine times leading the team in rebounds, I guess 10th now. Uh, he's a guy that uh, cannot be, at least I feel, the only one battling for rebounds and creating second chance points. I did hear him say in the post, uh, in the, at the half, uh, that he's really only focused on winning this game. 
What has been the biggest difference maker? What kind of value do you think that he's added to this team that seems so much different from someone that they didn't have just about a year ago, in your uh, opinion, in terms of Clint Capella coming over to the team and how well he's done? Well, let me begin to answer that by saying, first of all, Sir John, so by saying that's what drives me nuts with them losing that game last night. The bigs were not there for the Blazers, as you mentioned, and they played a half a game without McCollum. And you mm-hmm. get an output like that, an effort like that from Capella, and you still don't win. Now, it was a season mm-hmm. high in points last night. Are you kidding me? 25 and 15. 25. He had four <laughs> blocks. I asked I asked Renee in the pregame show before the game last night. I said, look, diehard basketball fans are going to roll their eyes when I ask you this question because it's an offensive game. Everybody wants to see the big numbers. I said, mm-hmm. but compare this year's Hawks team to last year's Hawks team, maybe the last three Hawks teams that we had. I said, is Clint Capella the MVP of the team right now? And she laughed and she said, no, it's DeAndre Hunter. I said, I will give you that. I said, but is he in the conversation? She goes, he's a close second. And I got to tell you, he has made all the difference. They're not in that game last night if it's not uh, for Clint Capella. They don't start four and one without Clint Capella. And the reason why they have lost six of their last seven has nothing to do with Clint Capella. Their offense has just gone in the tank. And a guy mm-hmm. like Capella that you thought was only going to get you 10 points and maybe 12 boards a night is scoring 25 now. He mm-hmm. has been an amazing difference to this team. First of all, he opens up the offense completely because you don't have to just look for Trey or John Collins and then maybe kick out to one of the wing guys for a last second shot to get the shot clock's going down. He Mm -hmm. does so much. What I really loved, and so far we really haven't seen it since the first couple games of the season, when he was out there and Collins was out there and Gallinari was out there. Oh, my goodness. That's the Hawks team. Everybody kind of said, hey, this team is going to be a playoff team. And now Danilo's out. We haven't seen him since the beginning of time, it seems. And we don't know when we're getting him back. And Mm -hmm. what a huge loss. And then we had Rondo, and I'm like, Look, Rondo's still got a lot of gas in that tank now. Oh, yeah, gonna, for sure. Is he going to give you 30 minutes a game? Of course not. Probably but not. when he's out there, he's going to be incredibly, incredibly effective. And all of a sudden, then his knee starts barking at him. So he came back the last couple of games, did not look good last night. He looked off a little bit, just looked a little bit off. So we'll just, you know, he gets a pass. You can't just have a veteran like that throwing him out there, travel, back, coming off a bad knee anyway. Mm-hmm. But to get back to what the original point, it's Clint Capella's show down low right now. I really mm-hmm. thought he was just going to be the modern-day Tree Rollins, block shots and mm-hmm. get rebounds and get out of Kevin Willis and Dominique Wilkins' way. And I thought it was just <laughs> going to be get out of the way for, you know, take the D away so John Collins has more space. That's not the case at all. He runs on the break. That's one thing the Hawks do not do enough of, and that's another thing that they can do to get Trey get going again is just go. Go. you got tremendous athletes out there. When they start running last night in that first half, and they did it against Utah, too, the fast break was phenomenal. The other teams mm-hmm. have no answer for it. They don't do. They don't push it enough. they got to push. But Capella runs like, I don't want to say he's James Worthy out there. I'm not an idiot. But he, <laughs> he does run for a big guy. Are you kidding me? He's flying. Mm-hmm. And underneath the boards, it's like he's got springs in his leg. He's mm-hmm. not one of these big old lumber and lummox guys. Left. And mm-hmm. I mean, no disrespect to Dwayne Dedman, but mm-hmm. he is night and day difference from Dwayne as far as athleticism is concerned. And it has just, 
you don't always see it in the box score. You did last sure. night. We had sure. two or three times now in the last maybe four to five games. But he was that he's been that way every game this season. He has had a major impact because of what he does. The second chance points, getting them out on the break. That yep. that's starting 90% of the time with him. He has to me, he's the difference in the Hawks this year. If we get those other guys back that are banged up and hurt a little bit, what we saw the first two to three games of the season, this is still a playoff team. The problem is you're 12 games into the season now, into a shortened season. You may say it's only 12, but you don't want to say it's only 28 pretty soon and you still only have two-thirds of your roster because you're going to be in a lot of trouble. we got to get Gallinari back. we got to get Rondo back up to speed to what he was. And I think once those guys get back, they're going to take a lot of pressure off Trey. And Trey can Mm -hmm. pretty much do what he did. You know, Utah – reverted to what happened to Trey a couple of years ago. They, as soon as he crossed the half-court line, they ran two guys out. And if yep. you recall, when that first start happened in the Trey, he started backing up, and then they had him trapped out there. So mm-hmm. he basically having like three defenders because he couldn't go any further back. That's and right. And what they told him was, when you see – obviously, one guy's right in front of you. When you see out of the corner of your eye, that second defender coming, charge, bust yep. right through him, split yep. deep. Yep. And what he tried to do against Utah and just start turning the ball over, he was doing it too fast. He was charging mm-hmm. too quick to do it, but do it under control. He wasn't under control against Utah. So that took him out of his game in the second half. And then it got him back into his bad habits. So uh, we'll see. But hopefully a guy like Compella can continue to, to widen the floor. Mm-hmm. And what he what they have to do now is take – because you know you know the NBA, they make adjustments on the floor. Oh, yeah. So, the problem with the Timberwolves is no Carl Anthony Towns, so they're going to be in a lot of trouble. But I guarantee you they're not going to let Capella just run around and do whatever he wants. And when teams do that, that means John Collins is going to be open. So you're going to have to take, you know, pick your poison there because you're not going to be able to clamp down on both of them. One of them is going to have to be open. And John's been hitting the shots. He just mm-hmm. hasn't been getting enough shots. He, they mm-hmm. got to get that guy the ball more. He can't be getting 10, 11 shots a night. He's got to get 18, 18 plus. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's something that just looking on social media, that's some some things that some people have kind of hinted towards uh, as to what leads to some of the frustration for uh, from Hawks Nation. And just recapping a little bit and piggybacking on what you're talking about as far as Capella, clearly a difference maker for this team who's clearly. just been flying around everywhere. And, uh, you know, uh, we don't. The, the good thing is I don't know who the unsung hero is. I mean, Brandon Goodwin has been coming in, playing some yep. good minutes. DeAndre Hunter has been looking really good. I just think it's unfortunate that this is a team that's been fighting the injury bug quite a bit because I'm not exactly sure, as he was probable coming into the game yesterday, uh, Trey Young was in terms of being 100%. I mean, Gallinari. I mean, all the guys that yep. were pretty much acquired over the offseason and involved in trades have pretty much been limited to how much time they've been able to see, even in just a very short span of the season we got my guy jerome jerinovich here with us just for a little bit longer not going to hold him for too long he's a busy man and got things to do eight time emmy award winner and pre-half and post-game studio analyst broadcast host of hawks live make sure you check him out man especially if you're a diehard hawks fan on hawks live uh from the fox sports southeast now uh moving ahead to tomorrow's game again depending on when you hear this podcast martin luther king day always a huge huge game day uh in in the atlanta area probably the biggest maybe in terms of what it all means to the community and so forth again you mentioned carl anthony towns 
very more than likely that he's not going to be playing because of the COVID circumstances that just came down from uh, a few days ago. But we do get a chance to see the Georgia product, number one pick in the draft and Anthony Edwards. How do you anticipate this team turning things around a little bit uh, and, and maybe going out there and adding a number to the left side of the result column? Like, like let, let's do the chalkboard game, Jerome. If I gave you a dry erase marker and, 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 and a dry erase board and told you to write down just one thing, one word that you think that this team needs to do in order to turn around starting on MLK Day, which is a pretty good time to do it, on tomorrow, what would that one word be? Run. Push the ball on the fast break. Transition. Uh, I, 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 look, we, we have some nice half-court sets. But mm. when you got a guy as creative and as quick as Trey Young, go. Mm. Because there, aren't, there are a lot of quick guards in the mm. NBA, but there aren't a lot of guards that have that kind of skill set where they can get so fancy. And I don't want to call him Pete mm. Maravich, but he can make one of those passes <laughs> like Pistol and Magic did when he's not even looking on that side of the court, but he sees the guy. Very few guys can do that as effectively as Trey. The, some of the problems, though, mm. is sometimes Trey gets a little too fancy and he either waits too late or takes an extra step. And, you know, it, sure. it gets deflect. I would like to see him make the pass quicker not get too deep in, you know, past the, the free throw line. And once you get down in that paint, he, at that point, either shoot or kick it out. You don't try one of those because it's going to hit somebody's hand or leg. But I, I that transition game, yeah, there aren't too many teams that can run like Trey. So I, go, 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 go. I don't care if it leads to a layup or, or a foul. We got to get you going one way or the other. And until that three-point shot's falling, you got to find another way to score. You got to find another way for them to collapse on you and open up the outside shooters. So that that would be my number one, no question about it. Uh, you're going to see a lot of Edwards tomorrow. I mean, Towns just tested. Uh, Anthony Towns just tested positive on Friday. There is no mm-hmm. way he'll be able to play on Monday if you just test positive on Friday. You got to go through. You got to go through a, a long protocol, even if you just came in contact with somebody and mm-hmm. he actually tested positive. So it's going to be a different Timberwolves looking team. But once again. We just played a Portland team last night that didn't have their bigs and only had one of their star guards play half a game. So, as mm-hmm. you know, Deshaun, sometimes those wounded animals have the biggest bite. And it's always guys that want to say, I'll take those minutes, coach. Let me show mm-hmm. you what I can do. Let me prove my worth. And sometimes sometimes those teams, man, <laughs> they step up. And what happens with the Hawks, it's happening again this season. It drives me crazy. They play down to the level of their opponent and up to the level of their opponent. Last night when McCollum was in there in the first half, they were spanking the Pacers in that first quarter. Mm-hmm. They were spanking them. I mean, it, it, it looked like the Hawks were a team that was crushing people in the bubble. You know, you know, Lillard, Mr. Bubble. But no, it, <laughs> it, it was the other, it was unbelievable. And then in the fourth quarter, here we go again. So look, there's no way they should have lost back-to-back games to the Hornets. Hornets are a good team. But yeah. they shouldn't have lost back. They should have at least split that series. Okay, mm-hmm. they should not have lost to the Knicks. What are we doing? So mm-hmm. we we play quality opponents, and you get a good outcome. I I, I don't know. I don't know how that. Ha- I, that's on the players. I think. I, that's on. You, I, what else could it be? I, I don't know. I'm not saying they weren't putting in the effort, but sure. sometimes you're overconfident, and you don't even realize it, and you're not just given that crazy you know, 110%, even though you're, you're trying hard, you want to win. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not playing with desperation because you know you're better than your opponent. And then next thing you know, it bites you in the butt. 
Just a couple more questions for you, Jerome. One of them being, um, and I want to kind of tread lightly a little bit, uh, but, uh, but I only know one way to do it here on this program, and that's keep it 110% real. Uh, by far, and I don't want it to get mistaken or confused like I'm calling for guys' jobs by any stretch of the imagination because that's not my style. However, uh, frustration is setting in relatively early for a lot of people in this city in terms of winning, like got to win now, got to at least get to the playoffs and so forth. Um, if things continue to go the way that they are going and they're not able to kind of turn it around, do you think that we could be in jeopardy of seeing Lloyd Pierce remain the head coach here for the Hawks? Uh, you know, I, I, I never like to speculate on coaching changes, you okay. know, unless it's one of those situations it's late in the year and it's sure. been year four or five. Sure. Uh, and it's pretty obvious that a change needs to be made. Uh, sure. I will say this. I have the utmost respect for Lloyd and admiration for him. He's an incredibly intelligent man, not just on the basketball side. He's a really <laughs> smart guy. I had a nice conversation with him one time last year. It was after his pregame press conference, and I pulled him aside. I said, I said Lloyd, I'm going to take one guess at what your career would have been if you did not go into coaching. He goes, go ahead. I said, you would have been a teacher. He goes, you're exactly right. You can <laughs> just see it in how he answers questions to the media, he mm -hmm. handles himself as a complete professional. He's very respectful. He's very analytical. When he gives you an answer, he gives you an explanation. He just yep. doesn't say, oh, the guy's heard. But he tells, right. you why. tells you why. And mm -hmm. then he tells you, here's what I told Kevin to try to correct that. So he, this, look, other than the guys they signed, this is still an incredibly young team. Yes, it now, is. Now, I will say this. I don't want to call them haters. I will say this to the people that are frustrated right now because of the record. When you sit there, you have to realize he's not playing with the team that he was given in camp. Okay. Gallinari's mm -hmm. only been here for two days, two games. Sure. And Rondo, it seems, has only been here for maybe four, if that. I mean, really, as far as quality play. And, my, you know, these guys done. These guys, we haven't seen them. McDonald, you know, yeah, yeah, consistently. Not, yeah. Right, they're just not around. And the expectation is to make the playoffs. The mm -hmm. owner said it, Tony Russell said it, Lloyd said it, he understands it. Uh, mm -hmm. Travis Schlenk said it, the GM. Everybody mm -hmm. with that roster. It's a business. It, but he hasn't had that roster. Correct. So, and you're playing, and, you know, to get back to the college football season, you're playing during this crazy COVID situation, crazy COVID situation. So, if it was a normal 82 game season, we mm. didn't have all these restrictions. These guys were able to sneak a practice in, have a regular training camp, not a virtual one where they're talking over Zoom, where they're actually passing each other the <laughs> ball and playing defense against each other. I, I would sit there and go, eh, maybe I'd raise an eyebrow, you know, at a five and seven start, especially losing six of the last seven. But they're not healthy. They're not able to practice. They didn't have a camp. And unlike veteran teams that can just, like the Lakers, they could just replace one or two veterans that are coming off the bench or even one guy in the starting lineup because mm -hmm. you already have two or three veterans in the starting lineup and another four on the bench. They can they can afford to just replace sure. one or two guys and not mm -hmm. miss a beat. Yep. But a young team like the Hawks, first of all, they got hurt because they weren't included in the bubble. That was the, Those were invaluable games. I don't care if they would have went to the bubble and lost every game they played. The experience would have improved every single player that was on the court. 
but they lost all that. Then they don't have camp. Then they start the season with a nice roster and Mm -hmm. four of the veterans that are expected to really contribute are all hurt. So they're not contributing, no fault of their own. So it's basically last year's team without a camp and Capella. So Mm -hmm. if you're expecting what you got last year, that's pretty much what you're going to get right now until these veterans get healthy and start playing together. And hopefully sooner or later, if they're out for an extended period of time, they're going to continue to struggle unless Trey can miraculously get back to, you know, scoring 35, 36 a night with, you know, a dozen assists, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Do you anticipate that we will see John Collins in a Hawks uniform uh, next year or whenever that time comes when the decision has to be made as to whether he returns or not? I I think so. And I'm going to tell you why. When you look at John Collins, 20 and 10, what of only four players last year to go 20 and 10? You sit there and go, oh, my goodness, teams are going to open up the bank for him, as they Mm -hmm. should. But Mm -hmm. because of this, and and unless the Hawks just turn this thing at a 180 and start winning five out of seven instead of losing six out of seven, John is not going to get the numbers and the Hawks are not going to get the wins and he'll still get offers. He may get offers higher than the Hawks, but he is not going to get an astronomical figure offer where the Hawks are going to say, look, we love it, but that's just way too, that's unrealistic. So, they may get outbid, but they may be able to match it and keep him. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. if right now, if, if they were an eight and 14 and Collins was back to 20 and 10, mm-hmm. I would have a different answer for you. I, I would sit there and say, there's another team out there that's going to realize how good John Collins is. And they are mm-hmm. going to pay him the money that the Hawks don't want to. But right now he's not, you know, He's only had a handful of double-doubles. He's not putting up the numbers, and it's not really his fault. The offense is just a little dysfunctional right now. He could still do it. That's the thing. So is there going to be a creative GM out there that can put this season aside and realize what John has done up until the season and offer them that big money? All we can do is wait. My last question for you today, Jerome, is uh, – with this game that's coming up on on tomorrow and obviously what it means here to the community and so forth and everything that's going on in the world today and whatnot, uh, I just kind of want to pick your brain a little bit or have you elaborate on what you uh, believe that it means in this time. Because, listen, MLK Day, Hawks games and so forth, it means something different. We see a lot of these guys out in the communities on a regular basis and uh, working to be pioneers here in these communities and so forth. And uh, really just, you know, standing up for some things. Uh, for what they believe is right and so forth, uh, you know, from everything that has been transpiring during the Black Lives Matter movement, the pandemic and everything else. Talk a little bit about uh, about what it means here and, and as it kind of correlates and connects uh, with everything that Martin Luther King Jr. stood for. Well, let me begin by saying I think the NBA does a great job on King Day. They have really come a long way. Mm-hmm. That being said, King Day belongs to the Atlanta Hawks. Mm. All right. Martin Luther King Jr. belongs to the world, but he's ours. Mm. Okay. He's Atlanta. His church is right down the street from Mm. the arena. All right. Mm. So is his, you know, the the history throughout the city, his house, everything. And Mm. it all started here, you know, and that movement 
Martin Luther King Jr. started a movement that changed the world. It changed the world and for the better, obviously, much for the better. And this yeah. past year, you know, in 2020, we started to see part two of that. Unfortunately, that issue still exists, and it's so ugly. And you sit there and you look at the Atlanta Hawks. And man, they've been taking part in the gay pride parade long before that mm -hmm. was fashionable to do for professional sports teams. Mm -hmm. They opened up State Farm Arena as a voting precinct and mm -hmm. they led the way. Nobody else did that. And then mm -hmm. other teams, Steve Coonan, tip of the cap, the other teams around the NBA, colleges, even NHL teams, you know, in the state sat there and said, what a wonderful idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were trailblazers in that. Mm -hmm. uh, Lloyd Pierce, I, I, I would need both hands to count how many times he was leading marches and rallies this past summer for mm -hmm. inclusion and respect. It's just amazing what this organization has done. And in this city, which is home to Martin Luther King, you could sit there and say, okay, and just give lip service and we'll play a game and hand out a t-shirt and all that stuff. They have taken his message and they have run with it. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. They, the way they have honored him each and every year is fantastic too. This year, we're going to have that, they're going to debut that special MLK court. I don't know if you've seen it. You'll see it tomorrow afternoon. It mm -hmm. is beautiful, beautiful. beautiful. They're going to have the, they're going to have the fancy jerseys. Uh, which is always really, really cool. Yep. But just the way that they include his message and yep. they bring life to it, but they don't do it just for one day. Mm -hmm. Now, we'll have a special one-hour pregame show tomorrow, which I encourage all of you to watch. Stinger's going to be on there with Renee and I. I don't know if anybody has a greater sense of Black history than Mike Stinger Glenn. He is, mm -hmm. uh, look, he's a former NBA player. He's a basketball analyst. He is a historian first and foremost, especially Can't for Black wait. history. He is, just, he is just amazing. So you're going to learn a little bit tomorrow. You're going to you're going to enjoy, you're going to, you're going to hear things that you've heard before, but maybe from a different angle, you're going to hear things you've never heard before. And you're just going to see just a, a, a an organization, a basketball organization and a sport. Let's not yep. just kind of, it's the NBA sure. as well. Sure. It just sits there and realizes how important that message is more important right now than it has been probably since he's left this earth. I mean, when you think about how ugly everything has gotten in this country with the Black Lives Matter movement, and it was like, man, can't we just love and support each other? You know, mm -hmm. and it's it's like King's message is as true today as it ever has been, and it's even more important today. And you're mm -hmm. going to see the Hawks hammer that home, and the NBA mm -hmm. as well. And I think that's what's so wonderful about the Atlanta Hawks when they have a King Day. We bring that all back mm -hmm. to the forefront. It's not just a chapter in a history book when you're in high school or maybe mm -hmm. a documentary you may be flipping through PBS. Here it is, man. Here it is. We're living it tomorrow for that afternoon. That's all. It, it, I've always been so proud of my association with my network and the Atlanta Hawks. And you're going to see it again tomorrow. It's going to be a really nice pregame show. And, and I'm, lo I'm looking forward to it, Jerome. Is that a 1.30 p. Eastern Standard Time pregame? 1.30 Eastern for that hour-long special pregame. And then, uh, you know, we're going to do stuff throughout the game with him. And so are the Hawks. And it's uh, 
it's going to be good. And hopefully, fingers crossed, no Carl Anthony Town, Towns, we get back in the win column. Because let's face it, we, I think we can all agree, we need a win. We need a win badly. I know that's right, man. Let me tell you this one thing. First things first, I'm thankful for Martin Luther King and his message because uh, it, it essentially in a roundabout way kind of started there to be able to give me this platform and opportunity for us to be able to guys of, uh, of a different ethnicity and culture to be able to put something like this on together to kind of educate the people and whatnot and give me an opportunity to do something I'm so passionate about. And obviously working with you for quite a, a little while and, and in, in a roundabout way, you know, seeing you in passing and things like that, always admiring your work. Jerome Jarinovich, eight-time Emmy Award winner, pre-half and post-game studio analyst, broadcast host of Hawks Live. Make sure 1.30 p. Eastern Standard Time. So I don't want you guys hitting my phone. Hey, Deshaun, what time did you say? 1.30 p. That's Eastern Time, and that's um, uh, on Hawks Live on tomorrow from Fox Sports Southeast. Jerome, you gave me an extra 20 minutes of what was promised here on today, so I do want to let you know that I am overly thankful and grateful and appreciative of you being able to do that. Uh, Deshaun, anytime. You are my friend. I'm happy to help you, and I just love hanging out and talking with you, but I, I want to leave you this with this one last thing, if you don't mind. Sure. My late, Take your my late father. I, I'm an old guy, so <laughs> no, come on. when I was a kid, I remember seeing Martin Luther King Jr. doing those speeches and all that. And I, I was too young to realize, understand what he was saying and all that. But it was on the nightly news all the time. Mm -hmm. My father adored that man. He adored the Kennedys. We used to have these little uh, black and white film projectors, you know, before, long before VHS was around. And my dad yeah. was a big movie guy, you know, so there's all these movies of us as kids. And he, he bought the I Have a Dream speech. And he had many Kennedy speeches and we used to sit in that basement before we would watch these family movies and he would run that King speech and he had a picture of him and Bobby and Jack on his wall. And, you know, my dad was, I, I guess you would describe him as a liberal now, you know, okay. uh, because, you know, he was a diehard Catholic guy and he just believed in equality and he believed in love and he believed in, you know, we were dirt poor. He worked in the mill. We didn't make any money. And sure. he just thought everybody should be treated equally, not regardless of your income or your, or your skin color. So mm -hmm. I grew up in that environment, mm -hmm. naively thinking everybody felt that way. And then, mm -hmm. of course, as you get older, you get to high school, you get to college and you get in the real world and you realize that's not how life works. No, so it's not. <laughs> because of what my father taught me and what I experienced as a child, it's an honor for me to live in Atlanta and work for the Hawks on King Day. Man, that is outstanding. And I thank you so much for sharing that. And listen, on the next one, we're going to have to get into some of this college basketball stuff. I know Let's how you feel it. about the Tar Heels and whatnot. And then uh, even more so, at some point, we're going to have to take what they used to call MTV Cribs to like, oh beat, to like we're going to have to turn it to DMT Cribs uh, <laughs> and then uh, get, get a little bit of a, a virtual tour of what you showed me all the, tour all the man there. cave. I don't even call it a man cave, Deshaun. I okay. call it a museum. It is a <laughs> museum exactly down here in my basement. The guys that come over here, they, they all want to drink beer and watch games at my house. And I say, you watch games every week, just bring the beer. Okay, well, you let me know, and I'll be more <laughs> than happy to bring a little bit of extra. No, I got plenty, buddy, anytime. I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you so much. Uh, happy King Day to you. Hope you're having a, a great weekend and, and ending that as well. And uh, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow night on the broadcast. You got it. See ya. That's my guy, Jerome Jarinovich, that joined me. And I'm always thankful for these guys that just to be blessed to be in, in, in the position and having the opportunity. I mean, I was 
at the radio station with him uh, over what's close to seven years ago, almost eight years ago now and starting out and, uh, you know, and then after that, just being able to cover the Hawks and whatnot and be able to develop and establish a relationship with Jerome, who's an outstanding guy. I mean, sure, former colleague or whatever, but uh, certainly a lifetime friend of mine uh, and looking forward to adding more years to that. That's for sure. And just thankful for the for the the message, you know, that he's been able to uh, share with us and dropping some knowledge on us, what we can look forward to seeing on the broadcast. Remember, 1.30 p. Eastern Standard Time on tomorrow for pre-half and post-game of the Atlanta Hawks and uh, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves on tomorrow on MLK Day. Remember, listen, you guys don't know when we're going to, you know, who we're going to have on next. You know, we brought so many different guys on from Hawks reporters and, and Hawks analysts and uh, college basketball guys, Fr Fran Fraschilla and Seth Greenberg, Jay Billis, all these different guys. You never know who you're going to get here on Tate's Take. So everybody knows someone who loves basketball. Share it with a friend. Don't save it for the local barbershops. Don't save it for the local sports bars. Let the folks know where their voices can be heard here on Tate's Take, uh, the podcast. Remember uh, that you can find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Red Circle, Spotify, Stitcher, streaming live on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch, uh, um, as well as um, uh, on Periscope as well. So make sure that you share along with a friend and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. The word of the day, the word of the hour, the word of, uh, of the week of the month of 2021, the whole nine. Go and subscribe because you're always in a, a huge when you go and you do that uh, and making someone's dreams come true. And ultimately that's what it's all about is paying it forward. And I'm looking forward to do so uh, as well. So, um, or feel free to leave a review, you know, uh, where you can find the takes, take the podcast and, uh, you know, or give a five-star up to a five-star rating. If you will, I want to leave you with this, make sure that you go and follow along on social media, all social media platforms at Tate's take hoops. That is T A T E S T A K E H O O P S hashtag where basketball lives. See you soon.